Good morning. A couple of things I want to talk to you about. I cannot wait to talk to you about today's uh, place in Scripture. We've been through kind of the depth of what God is going to do on this earth come the tribulation time. And for those of you that have been patient and, and, and walked through this process with us, it's, it's, been, uh, it's been heavy because it's been such devastation upon this earth. I mean, and the people of the earth. And, and now we've come to that place of, 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 of peace. We've come to that place where there is the, the, the roar, the shout from heaven and, and throughout all the earth of hallelujah, praise the Lord, or as Anthony taught us a few weeks ago, praise you Yahweh. And so we've come to a very interesting and wonderful place. And any time you come and you ask the a congregation, you ask us to pray about, about what, what is, lies before us. It's, it's, a, it's exciting. And it is that time where it's mysterious. It's, what is God going to do? Is He going to say yes? Uh, is He going to say no? Is He going to say not now, later? We are more than content with each one, except the fact of waiting. It's always hard to, to listen and to wait upon the, the voice of God. And so really would appreciate your prayers. As, we, as Fred, Pastor Fred mentioned, last Monday was, was absolutely incredible. Uh, we had a day of fasting and praying, and, and, and David Briggs gave a message out of Second Chronicles chapter 20. It was unbelievable. It was such a blessing. And, and Karen Thompson shared some of our prayer needs, as well as uh, the Renaults, Doug and Kathy. And it was just one of those precious moments within the life of the church. And I remember David teaching. In fact, I read through it a, a few times this week because it was Second Chronicles 20. It's a great chapter. It, it's about Jehoshaphat. And, and Jehoshaphat went before the Lord and he told the people, don't fear. He says, don't be dismayed because of this great multitude. Because, he says, the battle's not ours. It is the Lord's, as, as Fred mentioned to, to us. And so I want you to keep that in mind, but I would love for you to continually pray and ask God to help in this matter. Would you turn with me, please, to the book of Revelation, to the 19th chapter. The terrible sounds of judgment that we have been reading about and going through from chapters 6 through 18, these terrible sounds of judgment are over with. Now there's a new sound. There's a sound that fills the heavens and the earth, we are told. And that sound is hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. The transliteration of that Hebrew word, hallelujah, appears four times in the first six verses of chapter 19. There is a burst, if you would, of joy that springs forth from heaven. And I, I would love to relate that to you today. I would love for you to sense that joy of who Jesus Christ is in your life in spite of whatever it is you might or might not be going through at this particular time. This week while I was studying, I got a, a phone call from Brian who is leading music. And he said, you know, I was reading through where we're going to be this week in Scripture. And I said, oh, great. And he said, it sounds like that we ought to do something special musically, something that just lifts up the Lord in, in, in singing hallelujah. And he came to the conclusion that we should have a, a song at the end of the message, which I agree with wholeheartedly. And so at the end of this message, hopefully you will sense the, the expression of joy within your life that we will sing hallelujah unto the Lord. At, at the end of the service, Brian is going to come back and, and lead us in a song. 
So the transliteration of this, this word hallelujah, as Anthony mentioned a, a few weeks ago, is praise you Yahweh, or praise the Lord. And what it does here in chapter 19 is it announces in two amazing, spectacular events. First and foremost is what we are going to take a look at next week, and that is the marriage supper of the Lamb. In fact, let me, let me suggest to you, if you have a friend, someone that you have been sharing your faith with, someone that you have been hoping and praying they would, they would come to trust and believe in Jesus Christ, and if they would be willing to come to church, I would, I would encourage you to ask them next week. I would encourage you because next week is, is one of the great places in Scripture that describes the experience of those who have trusted and believe in Jesus Christ as we celebrate the marriage supper of the Lamb. The other announcement that this, this burst of hallelujah does is it, it tells us that the judgment of God's wrath is now over with. Gone is Satan and all who oppose our God. Now the psalmist, throughout the psalms, there is the word hallelujah over and over and over again. Praise you, Lord. Bless you, Jesus. Bless my soul. Praise the Lord. Over and over and over again. And in one of the psalms, Psalms 104, verse 35, expresses exactly what is taking place here in chapter 19 of the book of Revelation. It's interesting to me to study the Bible, to see how the Bible explains itself and how the, the Bible assures us of what we are reading is true and has been said that this is true for years and years and years. In Psalms 104, verse 35, the psalmist says, Let sinners be consumed from the earth. And let the wicked be no more. That is what we are celebrating here in the 19th chapter. And then Psalms 104 verse 35 goes on to say, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord, or hallelujah. You see, hallelujah, praise the Lord, is mostly used in connection with God's judgment against the ungodly. They are over with. He is now bringing forth a new heaven and a new earth. John, finally now, in this, the 19th chapter, completes the terrible description of God's judgment that was found from chapter 6 to chapter 18. The seal judgment, the trumpet judgment, the bowl judgments, all 21 are finally over with. And now the Son of God is about to return to earth and throw down Satan before what we will find out to be the millennium or the thousand-year reign of Christ. So as you might guess, the community in heaven rejoices. And the explanation of their joy is found in verses 1 through 6. Let's take a look at these four shouts of hallelujah. Verse 1, John writes, After these things I heard, as it were, a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God, because his judgments are true and righteous. For he has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth and her immorality. And he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. And then he says in verse 3, a second time they said, Hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. And then the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne, saying, Amen, Hallelujah. 
And then a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you his bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. And then John writes in verse 6, I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Father, we read these words, and, and for some I, I hope that we will be able to express clearly what it truly means within our heart of hearts. For those of us who have placed our faith and trust in you, what a time of joy. This is the time that ushers in the very coming of you to this earth and, and then the marriage supper of the Lamb where we are united with you forever, dear Father. I pray, Lord, that you will bless this time. Bless your words. Move me aside, I beg of you, Father, that you might explain, might really move within our heart of hearts so that we might experience the joy of this hallelujah, this praise that we would give you for all that you are for each of us. So, Lord, bless us now. Bless, bless Father, please, Wanda and, and, and Mary Lou. Watch over them. Thank you that they would come back and visit, Father. Care for them when they go back to their place of, of home. And I pray your blessings upon this church. If you would have us to move, dear Father, in the near future, so be it. Uh, we just praise you for what you will do, Father, because we believe, as, as Dave taught us last Monday, the battle's not ours. It, it never has been. It never will be. The battle is yours. We trust you. We trust you, Father, with all that we are and all that we have. Now bless us, please, as we study your word. We pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. I want to I go over what... what what just took place, as we just read out of these six verses. In verses 1 and 2, there is a shout of praise, or hallelujah, because God's ultimate and complete victory is complete. His strong hand of justice and judgment, which are true and righteous, we were told, has come to the earth. In verse 3, the second praise and hallelujah is over God's permanent defeat of Satan. As it says in verse 3, her smoke rises up forever and ever. That's a very, very terrible verse in and of itself. Then in verses 4 and 5, we see the third hallelujah or praise. Because it is the time for all of us who are bond servants, those of us who desire to serve the Lord, whether we be small or great, it matters not. We are to worship the Lord together. That is a a moment in time that, I must be honest with you, I, I can't wait to experience. I don't know what it's going to be like. I don't know if we're going to have assigned seats. I don't know if we can stand wherever we want. I don't know where we'll be. But I would love, if I had a choice, to be at a place where I could see you. I could see the people that I've had the privilege of knowing once being on this earth and, and seeing your faces as we worship the Lord together and just see the joy in your heart as we come to that moment, I, a moment I look forward to, I have no idea exactly what it's going to be like. But I would love to see the joy in your heart at that moment. And then the fourth hallelujah or praise the Lord is because, in verse 6, is because our God, the Almighty, reigns. 
And when we get to that place, that's when I'm going to ask Brian to come up and to sing the song, Hallelujah, with one another. It is His sovereignty, our Lord's sovereignty, His control is now complete. Satan no longer has any say upon this earth. He may deceive and lie no longer. So let's take a look at the very beginning. Verse 1. It says, John writes, after these things. I want to encourage you to do something. When you're reading the Bible, I want to encourage you to not try to get through a certain amount. Like uh, you might want to read two or three or four chapters, say. And, and you don't have enough time. And so you start to read. And all of a sudden you're reading and you're thinking about almost anything except for what you're reading. I would encourage you to find a time where you have enough time that you can read whatever it is you're reading and read it slowly and think about it. I mean, think about when it says, after these things, I would encourage you to say to yourself, after what things? After what, John? After what things that, that you heard this loud cry come from heaven itself saying, Hallelujah, praise the Lord, salvation and glory and power, you say, belongs to our God. After what things? Well, the answer, of course, is after the final destruction of Satan's systems. The two systems that we just saw and studied. The system of false religion built upon the system of a false economic uh, uh, economy, I guess you would say, of, of relying and trusting in our wealth or our things, our material things, to satisfy or to, to make us feel secure. We're living in a time right now where many people have lost so much. And, and maybe this is a, a, a difficult time to say it, but we, we are a people who are self-reliant. We want to rely upon ourselves, and, and that's Satan's desire. And so the system of false religion, as we saw, was to bring all attention to himself, Satan, away from anything of Christ, our Lord Jesus Christ. Right now, as we live, in the day of tribulation, as we saw, it was centered upon him. All the worship was to be centered upon him. And then finally, as we saw, he destroyed the false prophet. He destroyed the, the false religious system. And he brought all the attention to himself. But today, in the society in which we live, he doesn't care where the, your attention goes as long as it doesn't go to Jesus Christ. He doesn't care what church you may attend. He doesn't particularly care if you belong to a certain religious group. That's, that's okay with him as long as the attention is away from your faith and trust in Christ. Because he knows better than you and me that without Christ, you and I have no salvation. The Bible's clear on that. It's without Christ, we have nothing. So he would love for your attention to be all over the place. Anything but Jesus. But once he took care of that false system in, in chapter 18, he then dealt with the system of the economic security where, where you, one's belongings, their, their, their wealth, their material things gave them their self-worth. It replaced their faith and trust in God, in Jesus Christ, our only real, true, secure salvation. You see, that took place a long time ago. That is nothing new. That started way back when, in Genesis, when God formed... 
Adam and Eve. God said in Genesis chapter 2 to Adam, you can eat, take care of this garden. You can eat from any tree you want, any one you want, except for the one that's in the middle of the garden. That tree, I don't want you to eat from it. The day you eat from it, you shall surely, what? You're going to die. Not, not physically, you're going to die spiritually because you've disobeyed my command. So he tells that, obviously, to his wife Eve. And, and then we saw in the third chapter, Satan came in the form of a serpent, and he asked her, Indeed, has God said you can eat from any tree you want to in this garden? And she says, You bet, except for that one in the middle. Why is that? He asks. She says, Well, on the day we eat from it, we will, or touch it, we will surely die. And he said to her, Remember, you shall surely not die. And then he made this statement. He says, God knows, verse 5 of chapter 3 of the book of Genesis, God knows that in the day you eat from that tree, your eyes are going to be open and you're going to be like God. You, Eve, you're going to know the difference between good and evil. In other words, you're going to know for yourself, Eve. God doesn't want you to think for yourself. God doesn't want you to know for yourself. God wants you to put your dependency upon Him instead of yourself. Open up your eyes. Take a look around. You can make up your own mind about what is good and what is bad. That's as old as dirt, that statement. And so, Satan is trying to place our dependency upon Him or anything else except for God. But here in chapter 19, that system of one's security upon themselves is permanently broken. Satan's lying and deceitful ways are over with. And so we see automatically in chapter 19 the people in heaven itself shout and rejoice, Hallelujah, they say, over the fact that these false systems are finally over with. So John writes, after these things, after the death of the false religion and the false economic system, I heard, as it were, a loud voice, great multitude in heaven saying the first hallelujah. And they say, hallelujah, salvation, glory, power, belongs to our God. And then in verse 2, they say that He has avenged the blood of His bondservants. This hallelujah, this praise the Lord concurs with First Chronicles 29. Now, it's not up on the board. That's my mistake. Because usually what I like to do is be through with studying about the message by Friday. If I'm not, I get a little nervous. And so then I turn in all of the the, the cross-references and everything, and we put it up on the board. But as my way is, normally I, when I'm through Friday, I, I put it aside. I, I don't look at the message anymore. But when I wake up Saturday morning, first thing I do, wash my face, go into my office, and I, I take a look at the message. And then I'm, I'm learning a little bit more about computers, and I know the idea now of cutting and pasting. So much fun. And I get to put together, and I, I kind of read over other commentaries. I want to make sure what I believe and what we're, the Lord is saying is, is have a, has a rock-solid foundation to it. And so I, I was reading, and I've, I found a, a verse 
from another commentary that, that concurs with what is taking place here when John said, after these things, uh, the, 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 the shout of hallelujah was because salvation, glory, and power belongs to our God. And, and, and this commentary cross-referenced the, the verse in First Chronicles chapter 29, verse 11. Let me read it to you. When I read it that Saturday morning, it just, it just amazed me. It says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness. Yours, O Lord, is the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. I mean, just the thought of that. And then it goes on to say, Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and on the earth, you are dominion over it all. In other words, you are, you are in control of all. And it goes on to say, the last part of it, and you, talking about our Lord, you shall exalt yourself as head over all. And I thought to myself, I want to exalt him. I want to live my life in such a fashion that I have the privilege of living my life in such a way that what I would do in this day would exalt my Lord, that, that I could praise Him during this day so that by the grace of God, at the end of the day, if I were to drop dead, our Lord would say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. And I would want for you to live your life so that you might express in and of yourself the the joy of your salvation, the very joy of knowing the Lord so that you, you can exalt the Lord your God as head over all. That He wouldn't have to do it in and of Himself. I just thought that that was such a marvelous verse that, that the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty, they all belong to Him. No wonder, no wonder in heaven at that time did we, the church, those that are there, shout out the expression of hallelujah, praise you Lord, this is over with, all of this junk on this earth. We now can worship you purely for who you are. Your greatness, your power, your glory, the victory that you had, your majesty, we, we can exalt you as head over all. You see, the, the words hallelujah in the Old Testament fits in with the usage of what we are seeing here in the New Testament. That is that God delivers His people from sinners and wicked people, and everything belongs to Him. In the Old Testament, God delivered the nation Israel away from all of their enemies. In the New Testament, it's time for us to shout and yell, praise the Lord, hallelujah, because God has delivered us from Satan and his ways. The shout from heaven is loud, it says. It's great, it says. The, the words loud and great stand for the magnitude and the authority that, that this praise, this shout of hallelujah commands. What we see here in verse 1 is a bridge. It is a bridge between what has taken place in chapters 6 through 18 to what is coming, what is called the millennium or the thousand year reign of Christ on this earth, that, which will begin in, in verse 11 as we will see in in the weeks to come. This first hallelujah is the victory cry. It results in God's kingdom which is coming to this earth. It's a removal of all that stands in, in His way. And so now it says in verse 1 at the end, it, now all of this belongs to our God. 
And in verse 2 comes the hinge. The one word that is the hinge for the second hallelujah. It belongs to the word because. You see, salvation, glory, and power belongs to our God because His judgments, verse 2, are true and righteous. For He has judged the great harlot. That, that is what we studied in verse chapter 18. Who corrupted the earth with her immorality, her false religion, her false economic system. And He has avenged, it says, the blood of His bondservants upon her. You see, in verse 2, truth and righteousness is, is reason enough that we are to praise Jesus Christ. We were told in chapter 16 and verse 7, talking about our Lord. It says in verse 7 of chapter 16, Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. And when Jesus Christ comes back to return, look, same chapter, chapter 19, look at verse 11. John says, I saw heaven opened up. And behold, he says, I saw a white horse, and he who sat upon it, talking about Christ, he who sat upon it is called faithful and true, and in righteousness he will judge and wage war. Yeah, true, faithful, righteous, that's our God. His faithfulness to his word is what brings forth his truth. In other words, when Jesus Christ says something, when we read what is written within these pages, when we understand what is going on here, we can understand and rest assured that what we read is righteous, it is true, and it is faithful, and he will bring it to pass. I know there are those that say studying this is outdated. I mean, it's, it's old. I mean, I mean, we need to jump into this 21st century we live in. Not all of these things have to be taught or true, but on the contrary. Every single word written within these pages is truth, righteousness, faithful, will bring forth the reason that you and I can shout with all assurity, hallelujah, salvation, power, glory, they all belong to the one whom you and I worship and adore. Reason enough to praise Him. So in verse 3, another hallelujah is announced. And this one is hard. I, I will admit to you, it's, it's one of those verses that, that I've wrestled with ever since I've come to believe and trust in Jesus Christ. And let me explain to you why. If you read in verse 3, it says, The second time they say hallelujah, praise you, Lord, because the smoke of her, her being Satan and his system, his, his false religious and economic system, the smoke of her rises up forever and ever. That sentence, that verse in and of itself indicates that from that day forward, it is done. It's over with. The permanent Judgment of God's enemies and their destruction is final. It is complete and it is irreversible. It's forever and ever. In three of the four Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, it tells us that this continual smoke refers to what is commonly known as the unquenchable fire of hell. And I must admit, I wrestle with that to this day. To think that forever and ever and ever, those who have rejected Jesus Christ will be in hell. 
I mean, wouldn't maybe a thousand years be enough? And then you can kind of give them a second chance? But we're not God. God has made salvation so crystal clear that, that you have to have an agenda to miss it. You can't read scriptures, truly just read it, and, and surmise that there is any other way to God other than through Jesus Christ. Our Lord has made it crystal, crystal, crystal clear. But to reject Him, as verse 3 tells us, the smoke from, from the very unquenchable fire of hell rises up forever and ever. To be deceived is a terrible thing. That's why I, I quoted to you out of, out of his, its first, no, second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, when I told you a couple of times that, that Paul warned the church, warned those who had not yet come to Christ. He said, I'm afraid, I'm afraid for you that that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, Paul wrote, that your minds might be led astray from the simple and pure devotion to Jesus Christ. You know, there are churches and, and religious beliefs that say you have to do this, that, and the other to be right with God, when the Bible says that you have to give and place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and He alone. Paul says, I'm, I'm fearful. I'm fearful that, that as Satan deceived Eve by his craftiness, so you too would, might be led astray from this simple and pure devotion to Christ. And so in verse 4, John says he sees 24 elders. Now, we've been taught, and, and almost every good commentary that I read believes the 24 elders is what the church is called in heaven. In other words, all who have come to trust and believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Savior since Acts chapter 2, since the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached his message and thousands came to believe in Christ and the first church was formed before, before all everything else. And then after this time, whenever it is, the Lord calls the church up to be with him before the tribulation begins, the church will be in heaven represented by the 24 elders that John mentions. And so we see in verse 4, the church, the 24 elders, and the four living creatures, those are the angelic beings, they all, we all together fall down and we worship the God who sits on the throne saying amen and hallelujah or praise you, Lord. And then in verse 5, a voice comes from the throne. Who it is, we're not sure. It's more than likely a, an, an angelic being. And it says, give praise to our God. All of you, His bondservants, you who fear. That word fear means to revere, to love, to respect. All of you who fear Him, whether you be small or great, it matters not. The call to praise is to every single one of us who are His bondservants, those who serve Him. The idea is clear. We are all to praise the Lord. I, my hero of heroes, as far as in the New Testament, 
is, is Paul. You know that well. Paul says as much in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9, 10, and 11. Listen to what he says. Paul says, for this reason, God highly exalted Jesus Christ and bestowed upon Jesus Christ the name which is above every name. He goes on to say in verse 10 that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Those who are in heaven, those who are on the earth, and those who are under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God extended to His Son a name which is above every name, so that at His name every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that He is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, today, right now, we must, we should praise our Lord. The last hallelujah is in verse 6. Voices like the, like the ones we heard coming from heaven before, the, the great sounds uh, like many waters, peals of thunder. They say hallelujah. And the reason they shout hallelujah is the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. In other words, His dominion will be forever and ever and ever. You know what I mentioned before, and the, the unquenchable fire being forever? The flip side of that, the side that you and I ought to hold on to, is that eternally we will be with the Lord forever, those of us who have trusted in Him. In other words, after a thousand years, He is going to say, John, I've been watching you. Let's go. Get out of here. No, we are secure. We will be there forever and ever and ever. And so we can shout hallelujah. We can shout praise the Lord. We ought to do it today because your salvation is as secure today as it's ever going to be if you've trusted in Christ as your Lord and Savior. Yes, the kingdom of God has come. Finally, finally there is true peace on earth. Reason enough to shout hallelujah. And so we saw from verse 1 that forever He has delivered us from the hands of the evil one. Salvation, glory, power belong to Him. We see from verse 2, He has judged that harlot, that, that false religious system, that false economic system. And He has avenged the blood of those who died in His behalf, His bondservants. Verse 3, He has permanently condemned Satan's system forever and ever, never to rear her ugly head again. And verses 4 and 5, He says all of us, great or small, bondservants all, we are to worship Him. Reason being is because in verse 6, because finally and ultimately Jesus Christ and He alone has the right to reign on the throne forever and ever. So we ought to sing praises to Him. Oh, Father, there's, uh, there's no doubt in our hearts that You are the one, Father, that we long to know. And Father, as next week we'll see the marriage supper of the Lamb, when You unite Yourself to us as our bridegroom, Father, you will take us all. And so, Father, where we officially, the church, all believers, become eternally united with you, all the dreams of every single believer will come true. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Father, you are worthy. As Brian and we all sang, Father, thank you for that privilege. Now bless us as we go.
what a beautiful day you have given us here today in this Southern California in which we live. And Father, may we live this, this day to honor you. May we exalt you, Father. May we show you that we understand that you are worthy of all our praise. Hallelujah, Father. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Love you all so much. Have yourself a wonderful day. Thank you for being here.